0: Leanne Tran, psychologist who's worked with families whose kids don't fit the mould for almost 20 years. I've worked with children for decades, but I know parents are the real change makers when it comes to their kids. Having three kids of my own means I know it's not easy. Parent Like a Psychologist is all about simplifying how you support your kids, with psychology information filtered through years of experience to take you from overwhelmed to confident come on in hello welcome back um and thanks for joining in again to listen to my podcast we're talking today's the fifth episode um so the final one in the series about managing behavior i think i feel like it's taken a long time to get here i don't know if you feel the same but um Also, I guess, as parents, we spend a lot of time talking about our kids' behaviour, so it's kind of par for the course. Today, though, we're taking a bit of a shift and not talking so much about behaviour. I'm going to be talking more about effective communication. It's something that goes a long way in discipline, but it is a little bit of a different skill. I get lots of questions from parents about how to communicate with their kids. Uh, it's often about like how do I respond when they tell me this stuff, um, and how are we meant to, you know, have a good relationship? What what's going to help with that? And sometimes they ask about things like um, how to problem solve together with kids. So I'm going to try to address the top some you know, of my top five ideas in, in that category. And they are active listening, using empathy, and I statements, how to problem solve together, and then the idea of patience as well. And as usual, I will be adapting things for kids who are developing differently. The first point I wanna talk about is um, active listening. And so for active listening, it's essentially a way of trying to focus on the message that your child's giving you um, solely. You're trying to just listen. So that means you've got to stop um, forming your counter argument in your head because when we do that, we've stopped fully listening to our kids. The second point is that The listening is not just about the message, or the words kids are saying. You also want to be listening for the emotion that goes along with it as well. Um, So whether your child is telling you because they're sad, or because they're frustrated, the message might be the same, but with the emotion it gives a different um, experience. So. how you can do that with kids is to try to um, just listen to what they're saying and then reflect back what you hear and what you think as well so and you want to reflect back the content of the message that you heard and also the emotion or what you think their emotion might be So if I think of an example from my house recently, might be one about homework. um, And one of the kids talking about this um, saying, I can't do it all, I can't do everything, I'm not gonna get it done in time. And so my reflection was, um, I hear what you're saying. You're saying that you feel like you can't get it all done in time, that you're not gonna be able to meet the deadline. Um, And you sound frustrated and maybe you're overwhelmed. Is that right? And then so you've repeated back or reflected the content of the message, but also trying to get a handle on what emotion it is. Um, Doing that with your kids can be tricky if you're not calm. So (laughs) again, staying calm yourself is a key component. The other thing to remember is that it's okay if you get it wrong, if, they, if you reflect back to them and they go, no, no, it, that's okay, and you can just say, oh, I must have got, gotten it wrong, can you tell me again, um, or can you correct me, and you know, doing that lets them know that you're there and will take the time to listen and understand and get it right. Active listening then leads into the next idea or strategy, which is empathy. I think that because active listening helps us truly uncover what kids are thinking and feeling, that lets us be able to empathize with them a lot better. Trying to, so, empathy is all about trying to understand the experience of the other person if you were in their shoes. So, sometimes that's a bit of a leap for us when our kids are little and they're struggling with things that are so simple for us. But if we try and take um, their perspective and think about it from being in their shoes about um, how, you know, in this example, how much homework you've got to get done, feeling like you've got other priorities and you're a bit overwhelmed about it, maybe don't have the strategies to be able to um, problem solve and to plan your time and be organized, then if I step into that space, I think well, I will probably be overwhelmed as well. Um, and empathizing is really what's going to lead to effective problem solving and um, partnering with your child in this stuff. Um, I also, because I talked before about um, how maintaining relationships with your kids is some of the things parents ask about a lot. So I think empathy goes a long way into that. If you can be listening and really trying to pick up their message and their emotions and also understanding it from an empathetic point of view, then you're going to be developing really strong relationships with your child. The third strategy I wanted to talk about is um, called I-statements. So I like the letter I, not like the part of our face we see out of. Um, These statements are ones where you start the sentence with the word I, um, and the idea of them is that you wanna talk about your experience rather than um, what your child did or said. The reason that's the case is because if we talk about what our kids did, um, for example, maybe saying, well, you did this and or you said that, it comes across with a blaming, um, you know, vibe. I don't know. I can't think of a better word, but vibe. Um, That's naturally going to put your kids off. And if they don't stay calm and you don't stay calm, you can't solve the problem together very well. So that's the reason that we use them. How you do an I statement um, is to start with the phrase I and then talk about your feeling and then talk about the situation. So um, let's use the homework example again. In my situation it might be um, I feel worried when you're leaving your homework till the last minute, because I think you're not going to get it done in time. So I'm owning my own feeling and thought about that. The, op- the other example, the other way around might be you, you'll always leave your homework till the last minute, and you're probably not going to get it done in time. That automatically makes it about the child and their failures and their problem. Um, and likely their defenses go straight up. And they don't want to keep talking to you or they'll say you don't understand, you don't get it, that kind of thing. Um, So listen to your child, um, reflect back what they're saying and thinking, uh, sorry, saying and feeling and be empathic about that. And then you can talk about your own feelings or response to the situation. The next idea is to problem solve together and I think that's a really important part of um, what we call authoritative parenting and so there is a style of parenting where you just lay down the law and kids are meant to do what you say Um, and that's not really as effective as the style where you collaborate with your child. Um, And obviously you're the one still in charge But you listen to their opinion their feelings and their point of view in um, When you're doing problem solving and then try to come up with a solution together Um, If you want to learn more about this skill it's in this book here. It's called Raising Human Beings um, and it's by Ross Green He talks a lot about this um, process and how to do it with kids Um, and it's a really great simple, easy to read book that gives really good practical examples as well Um, and can maybe shift your perspective into thinking how you can use your kids perspective um, to problem solve together last week we talked about defiance and aggression and so I think if there's lots of defiance in your home as well that could be a sign that your kids aren't feeling like they're part of um you know setting the expectations and what's reasonable and what's not um so that would be a really great book to read I have got a summary of it on my website if you want to have a look at that it's on the blog um Section so that's leantran.com.au. Uh, what's the the fifth part? So that's the last part of what I wanted to talk about today is patience. I have learned this through working with kids for twenty years that sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and sit and wait for them to get their message out. Some, you know, children are not mini adults, Um, they're children, so they're still developing their skills in communication. And so sometimes it's really hard for them to get it out in a coherent way. And so sitting and being really patient while they go through that process is really helpful. The second thing that's hard for kids is that when they are upset it's a lot harder to communicate about emotions. So that means you need to be really patient in that situation as well. Um, The other reason I think patience is really helpful is that it can actually help your children regulate their feelings to get back down to a calm place where they can speak and communicate in a clear way. Um, you can be upfront with kids about what you're doing as well. And I do this often in um, sessions. I guess it's because kids don't know me as well, so sometimes I'm explaining what I'm doing. Um, But I think as a parent you can be um, kind of clear about what you're doing as well. So what I mean by that is that I'll say to kids, um, I know it's hard for you to explain, but I... I'm really patient. I can wait until you get it out. Sometimes I'll say it's hard to talk about, especially if we're upset or worried about it. And that's okay. I can be patient. I'll wait until you can get it out. Sometimes I'll also model or do some deep breathing. And so I might say to kids, I know it's hard to explain what you mean. Sometimes that's stressful if I take a deep breath and do slow breathing, then that helps me when I'm stressed. Do you want to try it together? And kids might have a go and do some deep breathing and then I'll wait and they get get the words out. I always reinforce that as well and say, oh, that seemed really difficult for you, but you kept at it and then you could explain to me in the end what you meant, that's fantastic. Um, Point out to them too that it's going to be helpful if they've explained how they felt, then they've done something that's going to help um, themselves or you as a family get um, closer or be able to solve problems. So how do we adapt that for kids um, who are developing differently? Uh, there's another good book, actually. I think, oh, it's not here. Twelve principles of how to raise a child with ADHD. It is there. Um, this is one by Russell Barkley. Uh, I put it against my face. This is one by Russell Barkley, um, and one of the principles he talks about is to touch more and talk less. Um, so when kids are uh, do have ADHD sometimes they'll have difficulty tuning their attention into you. So if you touch them gently to get their attention before you speak to them, your communication will be much more effective. The other thing is to talk less. So kids with ADHD have more difficulty focusing their attention and, and keeping their attention on something so the longer you talk the more likely it is they'll tune out before they've got your message so if you can keep it really short direct and to the point that's uh, a much better way to go i'd adapt communication for um, autistic kids as well and so that might be changing the language to be uh, simpler if that's how your kids communicate but also because if Um, processing, you know, verbal information is tricky, just like kids with ADHD, keeping it simpler is going to be more effective. The other thing is that you might want to use more clear and concrete information um, with your autistic kids. They can have trouble reading between the lines or guessing at the meaning if we're not saying it. Um, so being really clear and concrete about what you mean is helpful. It's also that's helpful for other kids as well. Um, many of you who maybe don't work with kids all of day don't realize, Oh, you, I mean, you're a parent, you probably do. Kids can be pretty blunt and they're pretty clear. And so sometimes if we use that same kind of language, it's easy for them to understand. It doesn't mean we have to be rude. So when I say blunt, I just mean straight to the point. Um, For kids with ADHD then too, you might need to take breaks. So if you're wanting to have long communication with them, um, maybe break that up into little parts so that they can have a break in between. And that allows them to process the information better, to focus on it and to remember it. The other thing is too with ADHD I think it's really important to double down on that empathy that we talked about in the first um, part of the, the episode today. The reason for that is that where kids have ADHD um, it's often that they know how to do things but they just can't execute it in the moment. So understanding that and being a lot more empathic about that because you understand it's something they can't do is a way that helps you with the empathy um, and a way that helps you adjust your expectations and so that you'll see problems differently if you do that and really try and take to heart that it's not that they just don't do it it's that they can't I've got this point for mainly thinking about autistic kids, but it will work for ADHD as well, but using visual supports to try to, um, actually that's not true, visual supports in other ways for ADHD are helpful, but if we're just talking about communication, it's probably more autistic kids I'm thinking of. Um, And that means that you might use, you would use their method of communication Um, whether that's signs or um, picture boards or apps. Um, If you're trying to communicate in in the way they find it easiest to communicate, then you're going to make the whole process easier for them. It's much harder for kids to rise up to our level of skills and functioning. And so if we can adapt down to the level they're at, um, it just makes it so much easier for the whole family. And the third point about that with autism is that sometimes the communication is nonverbal. And so a really good point is to listen and empathize when the communication is nonverbal. So that might be, um, so listening to that might be that you're paying attention to what nonverbal behavior you see. It might be behavior, it might be communication. Um, and so even though you don't hear the words, you're trying to listen to what the child's telling you without words. You can empathize still. And um, like I mentioned with active listening, reflect that back to kids as well. Um, if they've got, well, I'd say always, even if you're not sure about the capacity they have to understand it. But reflecting it back is going to be helpful for you as well. Um, if you're saying, "I see, I, you know, I see that you're frustrated with that. You look, it looks like you're angry," then by saying it out loud, it helps you um, reflect it back to your child if they can understand you. But even if they can't, it helps you understand it so that you can empathise with them. So um, to summarise, it's about really truly listening to your child um, through their words, but also the emotions they show you and listening to it regardless of whether they're talking or not talking. Using that understanding you got from um, active listening to have empathy with your child and try to really put yourself in their shoes then if you you can you know talk about your point of view um, and mention your feelings and thoughts by using I statements so that you're just presenting your side of things without it sounding like you're blaming or judging your child. Problem solved together Um, and so that's something where you can read more in Ross Green's book Um, where is it yeah Raising Human Beings. And the last thing is to try to really up your patience as well. Um, So deep breath yourself, keep calm and sit with your child long enough for them to do it. Hopefully these um, things have given you some um, things to think about so that you can feel like you know how to go forward and have effective communication with your kids um, so that you can problem solve together and really maintain a strong relationship. This could be very timely if it's just after the school holidays. (laughs) We might need to all take a breath and work on that patience piece in the next week or two. Um, So I wish you a very calm week and, and once again so glad that you've joined me. Thanks for coming along. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parent Like a Psychologist. If you found it helpful, please share on Instagram so other parents can benefit too and tag me at Leanne Tran Psychology so that I can say a big thank you. Head over to leantran.com.au to join the village for bite-sized psychology tips straight to your inbox. I really hope this podcast has brought a new perspective and you a step closer towards a calm parent and a thriving child. Have a delightful day.